Welcome back, everybody, to the J-Way. I'm so excited for this episode. It's called Journey with Surge for Water, and I have two amazing special guests here, Shilpa Alba and Brittany Girl. Hello, guys. Hi, Jay. Hi, Jay. How's it going? Good. Good, considering the craziness in our world, though. It's like... Oh, I know. But at least things are opening back up slowly and, you know, steady. Mm. But yeah, okay. Um, so for those who don't know, Shilpa is the founder and executive director of Surge for Water, an amazing nonprofit organization based in Chicago and Dubai that invests in communities all around the world with safe water, sanitation, and hygiene solutions to help end the cycle of poverty. And I've been involved with the organization since high school, which I'll talk about later. But Shilpa, can you tell us your story and how Surge has grown to impact the lives of nearly 1 million people in 11 different countries. Uh, sure, I can. But how much time do I have to tell the story? Because <laughs> it's, uh, it's Redmond, where do we want to start? Um, like maybe the... Yeah, you can just give us like a brief, you know, like what, what inspired you to start this organization yeah. and, you know, how has it grown like so big? Yeah, um, well, you know, as Jay, first of all, thank you for having us on here. Um, you know, Surge was really founded with that mission to um, mm -hmm. address injustices in the world. Um, and one of the deep injustices is um, lack of access to basic human rights, such as like water, sanitation, and hygiene. And um, you know, when I was a really little girl, you know, I grew up in Dubai. And every summer we would um, go to India to visit extended family and, you know, spend our summer holidays there just because it would be hot in Dubai and my parents worked. And as a really little girl, like around seven years old, I just remember being on one of these trips in India. And it was a situation where the, um, you know, was traveling with my family there and we were like going to a relative's house and we were traveling in this air conditioned car. And I remember being stopped in traffic and like basically like just taking in all these beautiful sights and sounds and like all of this like amazing like um dynamic environment that was that that existed around me and um mm -hmm. at one point this little girl who was around my age comes to the window and she was begging and i just noticed that she was like dressed in like these torn dirty clothes and just was completely like just looked incredibly different from me right like here i am yeah. like um in a pretty dress an air-conditioned car and it was just like which is you know um, kind of crazy and then you see her environment which is like the streets that were just loud and bustling and probably more fun for a seven-year-old but still, just like seeing the party yeah. that she had like mm -hmm. made me realize even at that young age that um there was something wasn't right and I always talk about that yeah. being like my inspiration and like my starting point like recognizing mm -hmm. like you always have to recognize something first have yes definitely mm -hmm. yeah um I, I remember for me, when I was in India, too, I would visit my extended family and, you know, just visually seeing, you know, the economic disparities between how we live and they live. It's, it sends a very powerful message. Um, yeah. And we are so thankful that you started this amazing organization. Um, but and for Brittany, I'm so glad you came on here today to share your experience being in the field and your journey with Surge through PhotoServe. She is the executive director and co-founder of the organization for those who don't know. Um, Brittany, can you explain what PhotoServe is and how you and Shilpa met? 
Absolutely. And I echo Shilpa, Jay, thank you so much for having me. It's of an course. honor to, to do this um, and, to, and to be a partner with Surge. Um, and Shilpa and I actually met, our organizations are both in Chicago. And so Shilpa heard some of our founders speaking about PhotoServe at an event in Chicago. And we got connected. She told us about Search for Water. And, and what PhotoServe does is we really seek to bridge the gap between the creative community and nonprofits that are doing incredible work. So, so mm -hmm. often you have amazing work that's happening around the world, but without the ability to really tell these stories in a impactful way, that's going to stop you as we're scrolling, we have like 10 seconds, right. To catch the yeah. attention. And so if we can't convey that in a way that it stops someone in their tracks, then the result is we're not able to continue doing the work at the scale that's necessary. The funding isn't there for mm -hmm. clean water and, and really goes back to just serving those that are in need. And so we partner photographers and creatives to work alongside nonprofits that have that need. So Shopa and I connected and once we understood the need that they had and and what we were could bring to the table, we uh, we partnered our teams together and been able to spend the last two summers in Uganda uh, with Shopa and the search team helping to kind of um, capture those stories and, and to share those. Amazing. And you guys took such amazing pictures. Um, for those um, people who want to go see it, it's on uh, Search for Water website. So searchforwater.org. Um, amazing pictures that really capture things that, you know, that um, that wouldn't normally be captured. And it's amazing. But um, I just want to transition to, you know, our, you know, journeys with Surge being in Uganda and, for me, it started in high school where I really wanted to make a lasting impact in my community and as well as communities abroad. And my dad's childhood friend, Neelam, who's the education director of Surge, she introduced me to the organization and I decided to go on an impact trip with her and Shopa in Uganda. And before going on my trip, I not only wanted to support you know, those communities in Kabermaido, but I also wanted to make a lasting impact in my community here in Chicago and specifically in my high school, because not many people are aware of, you know, the global water crisis in such communities. So I started you know, my club called Surge, and we raised enough money to rehabilitate a water well at Awa Secondary School. And it was just amazing to bring my community together towards one goal. And since then, I've always been involved with Surge, inspiring more kids in my area to become involved. And Shilpa knows them, Daryl and Dylan. They've been amazing um, partners. But I think what's similar to all of us was our experience abroad, as well as um, you know being in Kabermara, Uganda. And for me, my perspective going into Uganda was so much more different than what I got out of it. And specifically, I was, you know, quite nervous meeting all the students while somewhat having a firm grasp as to the economic disparities that they continually face. And coming out of it, I spoke to so many children dancing with them. I'm, Shilpa remembers <laughs> me, me dancing with the, the principal around all the kids. Yeah, that was... I was embarrassed, but it was fun for all the kids. <laughs> yes, I clearly remember that moment, Jay. <laughs> yeah. It was all the it was the girls, it was all the girls too, and they were so excited to like have you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, playing games with them and it really made me realize that, you know, no matter how hard life is for them, you know, with them basically having nothing, 
they still have hope and continue to smile in spite of it all. And that was my, you know, perspective coming out of it. But what was your guys' perspective, you know, going in versus what you got out of it? Um, Brittany, I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, that's a big question. That's a great question, Jay. I think going in there, one of the goals that we have, especially as photographers, is to not not to tell our story, but to tell the yeah. story of those that we're serving. And Definitely. so you go in there with an idea of what you're going to be a part of, but really open-minded to see and experience alongside, you know, those that you're working with. And so mm-hmm. um, we tend to tell our groups to go in, you know, pretty open-minded and obviously everybody, has, especially if someone hasn't traveled abroad like that before, it can be quite yeah. a culture shock. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think so, exactly what you shared most people will come out with a very similar, you know, explanation and story about how much they had been moved by the communities, especially if they went in there with some sort of a mindset of like, oh, I'm coming to serve or I'm coming to do this. And most yeah. people are very taken aback at, and realize how much I think they actually become a part of it rather than it really evens the playing field. And, and for me, that's that's a win because I think that that's what everyone should come out with is realizing yeah. that it's really just we're going in there. It's two different communities, hopefully learning from one another culturally. And and so I think that's one of the things I've taken away is having some time to have conversations with people mm-hmm. in the communities and, and talk about our differences. And even um, Shilpa and I have talked about how one of the ladies that I spoke with there, you know, their houses in the communities, especially in Uganda, if you get yeah. out into like Cabramado and some of the villages, their houses are very close. They're a tight knit community. And that's very yeah. different than where I live in the United States. And mm-hmm. and it was almost uh, she, she was joking with me because she couldn't understand how I didn't even know my neighbors. And the more I talked, <laughs> I was like, I can't believe I yeah. don't know my neighbors, you know. And, yeah. So I think for me coming together and, you know, seeing similarities, but also seeing differences and just how we are all at the end of it, mm-hmm. so similar, you know? And so, yeah, um, yeah I, I think everybody comes out with a lot of thoughts, you know, but I think mm-hmm. overwhelmingly it's a very just, I don't know, just that positive realization of, of how how similar we all are, you know? Yeah, and it really takes in perspective when you're actually there, physically there, you know, being with all these people, it just makes you realize that. That's what yes. I learned, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful to hear, um, Jay, your perspective and Brittany. So, like, for me, it was a little, you know, um, it's a little different because, you know, with, with our work, right, we find these communities, right? Like, we are finding yeah. these communities, we're finding these partner organizations globally that we work in. So when we talk about Cabramido and that district, right, we had to find the district in order to know. Mm-hmm. Just to give any listeners some additional perspective, um, Cabramido mm-hmm. is like a eight-hour, nine-hour plus oh, drive, yeah. nine hours. right, from like Kampala. And like so many times we've taken yeah. people there. And, you know, you it's interesting because you drive by a lot of poverty even on the way there. And people are like, why aren't you working yeah. here? It's two hours away. Why, are we, why, are we, why do we keep going, <laughs> right? It's known by the people there as the forgotten land. Like they call themselves the forgotten district, right? Because they're like, nobody remembers us. And like even Ugandans, like 
uh, we're like when like my Ugandan friends in Kampala, the this the, this the big city, will be like, you're yeah. going up country. Wow, someday I'll come with you. Someday, someday I'll come. And like the, when I tell them like, hey, we're going next week. Like we have a team. They're like, oh no no no, maybe maybe later. Like to them, it's really far too, right? So it's interesting, yeah. like to give that perspective. So even Ugandans sometimes don't make that journey. So this is why they like okay. self describe themselves as the forgotten land and. So like me going in and what we expected, right? Like we, you know, as Surge, we're, we're addressing issues of extreme poverty. And um, mm-hmm. that looks very different in the different countries. Like we work in Haiti and the Philippines and the Dominican Republic and poverty looks different, right? It looks yeah. different in the U.S. So it's, 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 I always like remind people, like including myself, not to compare poverty sometimes because it's a very different type of poverty depending on the country. Um, mm-hmm. So my story with you, with Cabramido is, is that, um, when we decided we were going to work on Uganda, I went on a scouting trip, right? And I met several organizations and people. And um, yeah. Florence Ringe, the leader in Cabramayo, who like mm-hmm. does implements our work, Surge's work on the ground, uh, was not one of these people I met on my scouting trip, right? I met a lot of other orgs and people, and somehow our paths did not cross, right? So we started pilot mm-hmm. programs in Uganda. And through those pilot programs, Somebody along the way, it was actually the founder of Spouts Spouts of Water, introduced me to Florence virtually. And and then again, you know, like how bad like data is and all of these things. So we couldn't actually get on a call. So all over email, right, we basically start Mm -hmm. discussing like what uh, Florence's mission was in the community, right? She runs a local org called Popo. And we were like, okay, what's your mission? What are you trying to do? And then she explained it. And then we explained our mission all on email, right? Then we finally yeah. realized that, yep, there's definitely a desperate need for safe water and sanitation and hygiene and menstrual health and all the things that we do. So I was like, okay, I haven't met you. I'm not planning to come back into Uganda in like a few months, but something, I don't know, like maybe, maybe it's intuition, right? That was like, you know, there's something about this that makes me feel like this is a long-term partner, like just from email. And I remember saying mm-hmm. to her in one of those initial emails, like through like, I asked her to like send me the assessment of all the needs related to our mission in Cabramido, and she sends this beautifully well-written like proposal. And I was like, you know, we don't have that much money, but Florence, like I see this list and at some point we're going to address every single thing on this list. But right now let's start with filters. And um, I don't even know why I said that, honestly, because I'm like, I didn't know where the money was going to come from. I didn't know Florence. I didn't know anything besides just trusting that she was a good person and that, um, you know, and we did our due diligence. I don't want don't want us to think that we just like met a person online. Like we did a small amount. You know, we checked the values. We, you know, they were aligned with us from a core value perspective. She came recommend yeah. and reference from like a person I trusted who met her in person. So when I finally went to Uganda on like that first trip, actually Neelam, the person who introduced uh, Jay, who introduced you to Serge, she was on that scout on that second scouting trip, and I remember it's always you're always a bit nervous, right, when you go into a community because Again, we had invested a small amount of money as a pilot, but you want it, you don't really know if it's been run well, right? Until you see it. And and yeah. for me, it was like, I guess I didn't, you know, it was like, of course it's extremely poor. Of course, there's like the mud huts and like there's no electricity and there's like the children look incredibly impoverished. But for me, it was like just this amazing, amazing surprise to see that our local implementing partner was even more. You know what I mean? It was like they were so yeah. much more than what I could have ever imagined. Like, and the community was more, it's nothing, it's nothing like that love and like that commitment and like, like all of that was even more, 
than I could have expected, imagined, um, like, you know, and just like so beautiful that we put that trust and that faith in this, in this project. And then it's turned into become like, you know what I mean? Like, I think we've like, yeah. like over 40 water sources. I mean, I was 60, I think now it's like crazy number of water sources, tons of toilets, like, you know, mm-hmm. over a hundred thousand people have re- been reached. And it's like all started with that basic trust of like, yeah, I believe that yeah. woman is a strong mm-hmm. leader. Um, yeah. And yeah. I really want to echo what you said about, you know, Florence, because, you know, when I met her and, you know, just seeing her speak to everyone, it's just so amazing how she connects with the community and introduces us and is able to accomplish so much in that community. It was, she could really run for president in Uganda, mm-hmm. just saying. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so one thing that I also want to talk about is your guys's most memorable moment when you were in Uganda. Um, and just to give you an example, I'm not sure if you remember this, Shopa, if I mentioned it, but I, when we were at Awa Secondary School, which is uh, where the well uh, my school funded was at, but I remember meeting this student who was in telling me how um, both his parents um, died in the war and he takes care of his little brother while wow. um, while going to school and fetching water from their water source miles away. Um, and I was just talking to him because Florence, um, she introduced me to him and asked him to give me a tour of the school. And we were just talking and he was just telling me about his bold plans for the school and how thankful he was and how he wanted you know, his plans to promote the longevity of the well and how to continuously teach the students about basic hygiene, which what, what we were teaching them. And I was just so taken aback from his enthusiasm and his yearning to make a difference in spite of really having nothing, no parents, having a little brother to take after or to look after. Um, and the school, they also had a national honor society almost amongst the top students, um, you know, who were working to, you know, promote the longevity of the well. Um, and I asked their council to bring in the student as their new member. Um, and this was just so meaningful to me because I really felt fulfilled about the work I was doing and just seeing how passionate the student was to make a difference. Um, but what was that moment for you guys? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> you want to go first? Sure. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, as you say that, like, you mean, like, so many moments just flash by in my head. But yeah. I do want to say what's really special with, with the you just shared, Jay, Jay, is that I didn't know that. So and maybe if I did, I forgot. But it's, like, so beautiful to me that yeah. um, as we take so many people on these impact trips that everybody has so many of these stories right and like just one day it would just be really nice to just have this reunion where we're just talking about like all of our most memorable moments because it's so special to hear these things from someone else's perspective so I just appreciate hearing that okay for me I mean there's so many that just even flash by even as you were talking and I think one of my first moments um that happened I think this might have been on my first trip to Cabramido and uh, because I've been there I think seven or eight times now maybe more um, yeah. They, the um, I was at a water source that we had funded, and um, sorry, it would have been my third, th- second trip to Cabramida then. Um, and this elder man, like a village elder, uh, you know, they always come to thank you, as you guys both know, like when you funded these sources, and like everybody yeah. there, they're doing their dances and like they're welcoming, which is amazing. Like those are all memorable too. And mm-hmm. this elder man, he's like you know seventies maybe. He comes up to me and he's like. You know, I just want to thank you. I think his name was um, Moses, um, Ivanku Moses. Um, and he came up to me and he's like, I just want to thank you on behalf of our entire community for bringing us these so- this source. 
And then he said something to the effect of like, I used to feel like an animal. Like I used to be on my knees, like the pigs and the cows drinking water out of that, like kind of like that open spring. And he's like, I just felt like I didn't have any pride or dignity because I'm just an animal. Like I'm drinking the same way the cows are drinking. And he's like, Mm -hmm. you know, finally, like now he's like, I just feel like a man. I feel like a human being again. And I was just like blown away because obviously we think about like even now as I say the story, like it gives me chills because, you know, of course water provides life and access to life, but then there's so many more elements, right? Like what about a dignity, a village elder, like respected, who's like thinks this, right? Like that's just like the saddest thing. And like the beauty of it is that like how profound of like being able to be part of that gift to him and his community that's beyond even that immediate thing of like water providing health. It's like, what is providing dignity too? And like so much, yeah. right? So. Thank you for fun. sharing that. That was very powerful. Um, Brittany, do you have a memorable moment while in Uganda? Yeah, I agree with both of you. I'm like, as you're both sharing, I'm thinking, which <laughs> one do I share? Because there's so yeah. many, but I think if I really, you know, the gut check for me, the, the one that affected me the most personally and it's like Shoba said, there's so many offset like moments that happen during the day. It's why it's so great to get together at night and you hear from everyone, oh, what did you do today? How did this go? And um, I had this moment that Florence, who we've spoken about, the leader of Popo, that's just such an incredible woman. And, and it, it speaks to her leadership in the community and, and also why the work that Serge does through Popo is so strong because she is such a respected member yeah. of the community. But she invited me to come and speak with um, the a group of youth that she was working with in that community. And, you know, I didn't I wasn't totally sure what I was going to say, how that was going to go. And what ended up happening was this really beautiful. For me, it was just such an intimate moment between a group of people. Of probably I think there were like 47 of the 20 teenager to 20 something year olds that she had been working with and we're speaking three different languages. She's translating um, between Shilpa, do you, do you know what between Kumam. English and yeah. Kumam? Um, and so, and anyway, so she's translating and we're just sharing experiences of our lives mm-hmm. and uh, our challenges and our achievements. And it was just such a very honest and real and vulnerable moment. I feel like, kind of what you talked about your experience with that boy, like hearing his yeah. story. It, it's such a personal thing for someone to share their story mm-hmm. with you, but then to be able to stand there and, and because of their vulnerability, I actually shared parts of my life story with mm-hmm. them that I've never shared with any like group of Americans. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I found myself in such an intimate place that I felt even, you know, we're crossing language barriers and cultural barriers but the human connection that we were making with one another was so personal and it was just such a, it was such a beautiful experience. And I, it's talking to you is making me realize how the theme of the things that really capture me go back to this, this spirit of oneness that we have um, amidst our differences, Mm -hmm. you know, this, this unifying spirit. And so to be able to, to step into that and experience that and for them to share such personal places of their life with me and me with them, it, that really stood out as something I'll always carry with me. Yeah. I've noticed that too. It's just so amazing to experience that. And 
Um, one thing that Shilpa mentioned that I really never realized before was that water provides, you know, dignity to these people um, where they can feel like actual humans. And it's just, it's so amazing that you share that. Thank you. But um, since we know that Surge has been, you know, heavily focused on investing in communities with safe water and hygiene solutions, I want to shift now to what Surge is doing in the midst of COVID-19 with its COVID-19 response plan. Um, Shilpa, correct me if I'm wrong, but right now nearly 3 billion people around the globe don't have the ability to wash their hands. Yes, at their home. So I mean, they- Yeah, at their home. Yeah, they might have an ability, like if they go to a water source, but yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, Jay, you, I, you and Brittany, you'll both remember this, right? Like there's no, there's no water at people's homes in general, right? They have to go to their community water source. So in our, like, so that luxury too. So then if they bring the water to their house and they have to set up what we call a tippy tap, right? Like where they yeah. sticks and they build these. And I think both of you have been part of building those tippy taps or Brittany, from your perspective, definitely recording it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's quite intense. Um, and of course, you know, it's stopping the spread of COVID, you need water and soap. So there's no water and there's no soap in almost like the majority of the households of like 230,000 people that live in Cabra Maido. Mm -hmm. So how did the organization come to realize that, that we really need to start focusing on COVID-19 prevention? Um, so the beauty about Surge's work is that we were focusing on hygiene way before COVID-19, right? So it's core. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we had to do anything differently from that perspective. Like our mission is to provide water, sanitation, hygiene, and the water and the hygiene part are critical to stopping the spread. The, the difference was how we went about it. So we were already doing the water sources. So that was like providing the water. But now we're like, okay, we need to bring the water closer to the homes. We need to have more hand washing stations. We were already doing soap making classes. But then the difference is we up the number of soap making classes. So we've switched our programming to more like sort of like um, immediate needs, which is the water and the soap. And then we also, you know, um, you're both aware of this, I think, already, but then we also switched to the radio programs because now, because of like all the gatherings, like normally we would be able to gather. Again, you'll both remember, you go to a school yeah. and like there's suddenly like a thousand people there <laughs> to like welcome mm -hmm. you, right? Like that couldn't happen yeah. anymore. So you can't train in those mass numbers. So we, we switched to radio shows because then the radio shows would be a way to reach a large number of people, um, but safely and effectively and efficiently. Um, that's kind of like the difference of like that, the model of how it like worked. Yeah, that's amazing. I just, um, so the, can you um, explain a little more about the radio show that you guys um, are funding in Haiti? I think that was just so amazing to hear when you told me that last time. Yeah. So it's both in Haiti and in Uganda that we're doing it. Uh -huh. So it's, um, and since we're talking a little bit about Uganda, I mean, we just continue that story. So in Uganda, what they do, it's like a, I think it's 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 every week funding dependent and yeah. um what happens is it's kind of like a talk show so think like oh, we're doing a little bit right um, uh, and, and the community has the has the um like the, the ability to call in and so what happens is every week has a theme so um mm -hmm. last week i think it was water user committees was the theme so every, every water source has a water user committee. And those water user committees are the ones that make sure that the source is looked after. They collect money from the water users for like ongoing maintenance and like whatever. They have rules that they follow to keep their source like clean and just well maintained, right? So last week's mm -hmm. was about water user committees. And what the water user committees 
show included was the speakers on the show ended up being chairmen or chairwomen of the water user committees and then different mm-hmm. different users because that applies to all the users would call in and like so then you're talking about in context of covid you're talking about um how it's important again still to keep your source safe but um mm-hmm. the fact that we as part of our covid response we installed hand washing stations at all the water sources so people could wash their hands before they touch the pump and maybe after they touch yes. the pump so then talking about that and why that's important and um so just like yeah and then we've done other shows on like just general hygiene and menstrual health depending on the topic of the show those village leaders are invited mm-hmm. to be the speakers so it's super inclusive the speakers are across yeah. the board there'll be beneficiaries political mm-hmm. leaders um obviously us our team um and then just yeah the community at large gets to call in and be part of this conversation which i think is really beautiful and something we can learn around the world right how do you have this yeah. how do you have this inclusive conversation where all voices are heard and i love the fact that every week it's a different theme as well so they really go in depth two hours into these conversations mm-hmm. um didn't um the radio shows that had almost 100,000 yeah, viewers that's the one, haiti, the one in haiti um that's amazing so it's like um yeah it's the great efficient effective way as i said to like reach out to like you know a donor base mm-hmm. oh, sorry yeah and it's, so, yeah. Okay. and it's so great to have you know community leaders you know leading this thing where the community respects them um yeah it yeah. just you know gets the word out faster to prevent the spread but um as far as you can tell are there some communities um that are more impacted from covid-19 from others that you, that you guys work in um are you talking about our work globally now um or even um in terms of like covid-19 um are there some communities that are more impacted from the coronavirus than others um yes um you know so we, as i said so our work is active in like four countries we're in Haiti the Philippines Dominican Republic and um and Uganda and um we know we've seen different numbers across the countries and then you're absolutely right right depending on where you are in the country it would be different so Uganda actually Um I haven't checked the numbers like very recently but they were much lower um just even considering per capita in comparison to say like um Dominican Republic was quite high like they I think they're the worst hit in the in the in the in the Caribbean um and then you know you can look at country numbers but just like here in Chicago or like in the US you can have different pockets in the country that are more impacted than and not um you know it's it from a from a from a testing standpoint unfortunately like all not the same testing facilities are available in like in our countries um so it's like it's hard for us to like pinpoint like scientifically sometimes you know like where the issues are so honestly like what we're mm-hmm. doing is just making sure we're getting ahead of it because what we're doing is needed regardless mm-hmm. of covid or not right providing people with a way to wash their hands at home is needed regardless so we've just been focused on like that um and then we've also put a higher focus versus like where there is covid or not what we've done is put a higher focus on vulnerable families so who are the poorest who are the elders and that's what we've done we've equipped them first with like the resources to protect themselves and then the larger community that's amazing um okay um so i think this is where i would like to conclude um but right now more than ever many communities like Kimbermaido are most vulnerable to COVID-19 and as well as the global water crisis. 1 million people every year are killed by hygiene related diseases and unsafe water. 
a lived reality that almost none of us here in the U.S. will ever face. With the coronavirus, that number to increase. Um, so I urge you to please visit search and photoserve.org and make a gift that is meaningful and do that these amazing organizations can continue to carry out their mission. Um, that you guys would like to add before we end? Uh, no, I just thank you, Jay, for this platform. And yeah, I just want to recognize that um, PhotoServe, honestly, and like the work that they do is so important because the stories that we're able to share on our website and like just on our social media channels is, you know, really largely due to the like pictures and the videos that they have helped us capture. And like, I can, you know, all of this is happening, like all of these things happen in the world, but it's like, telling the story on like those kinds of platforms, including your platform, Jay, is like so important. So just all the avenues that are needed um, are important. So yeah, for anybody listening, yeah, just get involved in a cause <laughs> of some kind that you're passionate about because it's needed in the world. I echo that. Yeah, thank you, Jay, so much for having us. And um, like Shilpa said, this is, Right now, so much of what we're doing in the world is storytelling, yeah. right? Because we're limited, and that's what they're doing in Uganda with the radio programs. That's what you're doing with your platform. That's what we do, and then Surge does with their platform. And so um, it makes a difference. And so I would just encourage, yeah, anyone to continue to tell their story, to tell the stories that are important and need to be heard in the world. And that's how that's how difference and change mm -hmm. is made. So thanks of for course. having me, Jay. Take care, guys. <laughs>